Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as uh, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Welcome into the Dublin to Denver podcast on the Mile High Report Podcast Network. Michael McQuaid, Colin Cronin, Stuart Roach. Uh, after, well, look, the Broncos have fell to 6-6, six and six, getting defeated by the Kansas City Chiefs, 22-9. Uh, obviously, a lot of variables in that game. Uh, Teddy Bridgewater did have more yards than Mac Jones this week. I mean, that's one positive. I I'm, I'm joking. But, uh, Colin, we'll start with you. Welcome in. Uh, a frustrating weekend, and you watched that game live as well. Yeah, I had the misfortune, I think, of um, staying up until 20 to 5 in the morning. I mean, look, the, the positives, if we were to start there, were Javante Williams, who was fantastic uh, first start, and he had the most uh, yards of, of any uh, running back in week 13 for a first start. That's enormously impressive, you would have to say. But the reality is that once again, we score, we against the Chiefs in particular, we scored nine points. We didn't reach double figures. It's the third time under Vic Fangio that the Broncos have failed to reach double figures in terms of points against the Chiefs. So in Vic's five losses to the Chiefs, his teams have scored six points, three points, 16 points, 16 points, and nine points. 
So it's all very well holding the Chiefs to 22 or 23 points. We've done that on three occasions, but we're nowhere near winning. And Vic Fangio is not the defensive coordinator of the Denver Broncos. Vic Fangio is the head coach of the Denver Broncos. It's all fantastic being a defensive mastermind and coming up with a, a plan, but you have to win the games. And it's not, and it, like every, people are putting it on Teddy and Shermer. Yeah, absolutely. Teddy was terrible. Pat Shermer is a, a really, really bad offensive coordinator. There is no doubt about that, but they're not the guy in charge. Okay. Vic is the guy who made the decision that Scangarello had to go and brought in Pat Shermer, has defended Pat Shermer, has defended Teddy. And Vic is the guy who's supposed to come up with the plan to, that, for the Broncos to, to win games. But five straight losses to the Chiefs, it's incredibly disappointing. Stuart, uh, you know, obviously reflecting what Colm said there, a disappointing performance, not just because of the final result, but because of the variables during the game. Because for a lot of the game, the Broncos were, you know, mathematically in with a great shout. They were in with a great shout towards the end as well. But, you know, they weren't that far off in terms of the score for, for a large portion of the game. No, they weren't, Michael. But I think a lot of that was to do with the fact that the Chiefs are still a, a long way from clicking. I mean, I think you you could see the other night that Mahomes is just a, just a degree or two off. Um, I think there was a stat saying that he's, by some distance, the quarterback who's had the most interceptions coming off, tipped passes by his own players. Um, and I think you saw that the other night. I mean, I, to me, looking at that, I didn't uh, have the uh, misfortune of staying up, thankfully. <laughs> so I watched it the following day. Um, to me, that that was a game that was close on the, on the scoreboard for most of it. Um, but in the reality, the Chiefs always felt like they were in control. Um, and I think the Chiefs left with a lot of points um, out on the field, to be honest with you. Um, you know, I think uh, it, it, the Chiefs are, are a strange team at the moment because, as I said, like I think last week's pod, they're, they're kind of scratching and scrambling around for a wee bit of form and they don't, they're, they're kind of snatching at everything. And I think, you know, people like Tyreek Hill, um, Kelsey, balls were a little bit behind them or else they weren't quite... Well, it's just not really in sync yet. Um, but that was that was a diabolical performance from the offense. I think we kind of agreed that Javante Williams is the offense, but that was kind of tongue in cheek. But no, actually, Javante Williams is the offense. There seems to be absolutely nothing else. Like the the passing charts that some people put up on Twitter um, for Teddy Bridgewater now, it, it it's it, it's becoming laughable. You know, I think he threw one ball over thirty yards. Everything else was five yards or you know 15 yards max like to me the the entire Shermer Bridgewater experiment and I use that word in inverted commas was kind of summed up when he had a free play um I'm you know 99% of quarterbacks in the NFL when they get a free play uh they go deep or they'll take a strike or they'll try and hit something Teddy dumps off uh a, a free play I don't think I've ever seen that like it's just it's it's just it's 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 in his coordinates now that that is what he does. That's always the option he looks for. Offense is dreadful. The defense did okay. Um, they did well enough given you know 
what they were what they were kind of landed with. The offense had one long drive, which yielded no points because they made a mess of the the fourth down play. But you know, yeah, you keep the Chiefs to twenty two points, you should be within a, a sort of a, a, a you know a sniff of getting there. But it all harks back, and I think Colin touched on it a minute ago. Vic Fangio and Pat Shermer seem to be under the impression that this is the NFL in the mid-80s, where if you score 18 points and play well defensively, you're going to be fine. This it, It's like these guys work in the NFL. Do they not watch games of other teams? Do they not see? Like, even is, the, is red zone on in the changing rooms before they go out? Because there's Star Wars scores all the time. And, it, like, this, this method is not working. It isn't working. And, like... Yeah, mathematically, we were still in the game, Michael, in the same way that mathematically we're still in the hunt for the playoffs. But come on, does anybody think we're really going to make the playoffs? And as we've been saying on this program for, for, for months now, even if we do make the playoffs, the first time we come up against a decent team, we're going to get absolutely battered. So I just, you know, you just don't know what you're getting from the Broncos. One week, they're great. Another week, they're they're absolutely diabolical. But I might when Colm sent me a tweet earlier on, which I think is, you know, it's kind of worrying. You're wondering now, are they beginning to kind of move the sort of get the pieces in place to try and make Fangio acceptable? And are they trying to work out who the scapegoat's going to be? Is it going to be Sherman? Is it going to be Bridgewater? But we keep Vic because he's such a defensive mastermind. You know, so so a, a prominent Broncos journalist said, say what you want about Vic Fangio, but goodness, he hasn't had a chance because the points total versus KC since 2019 are 6, 3, 16, 16, and 9. Now, why do you tweet that out? Like, oh, Vic Fangio hasn't got a chance. Vic Fangio is the head coach. There seems to be some kind of sort of uh, misunderstanding as to the idea. Vic Fangio said he doesn't really concern himself with the offense during the game. And some people seem to sort of have taken that and run with it. Vic Fangio is the head coach. So the idea he hasn't had a chance, you fire Shermer. <laughs> to give yourself a better chance. Vic Fangio picked Shermer and he picked Teddy Bridgewater and they concocted this quarterback competition. So they're going to ride with those two guys until somebody said today on Twitter, Vic Fangio is going to ride Pat Shermer and Teddy Bridgewater all the way along to the unemployment line in January. And he deserves it. He does. He's a dreadful head coach, dreadful offensive coordinator and a really, really boring ordinary quarterback, which was shown yet again on Sunday night in prime time. I, I'm I'm gonna go back on the game very quickly, just in terms of that. Of what, what I meant by mathematical was it was ten three column, um, going to halftime, and technically we were sitting there, and we, we we didn't go for it. Or sorry, we we went for it in fourth down, and we sh- like for me we should have took a field goal going at halftime ten six. There was only three points scored in the third quarter. Like that's what I mean. Like I I understand we weren't getting it together on the pass game. Javante Williams is doing well. Teddy wasn't doing well, but. It, it seemed to me that Shermer and Fangio weren't weren't giving us offensive chance in this game. Well, sure, sure. I, well, who who is ultimately responsible? Like Fangio. What, yeah. So what? So why do you choose? Like, why do you elect to receive? Okay. Why did Fangio elect to receive? And then you you have the 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 twenty the twenty play drive that eats up so much clock that was i mean that had we scored on that it would have been you know demoralizing for the chiefs but by not scoring it absolutely flipped it on its its head it killed us and then in terms of the 
the way in which the manner of it, you pass on third and two and then run on fourth and, and two and you don't take the time out to, to get things sorted. So the, the rookie who's starting his first game wasn't exactly sure what was going on and, and nobody has the sense to say, hang on, we need to take a time out here. That is, that's massively concerning. And again, you go back to like, why is no, why is no player even calling a timeout to, Hey, we're not, we're not set here. Like, yeah. Okay. It's Bill Belichick, but Bill Belichick emboldens his players to call timeouts, right? Like if, if needs be, um, and, and you go back and I go, yeah, it's the, the Falcons Super Bowl. But the Falcons were rolling at, at one point and Hightower early on call, calls a timeout because he senses the defense aren't set here. And if we, if they score again, we're absolutely done. Now, they took the timeout. They end up coming back to win, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and it is the Patriots and we're not we're nowhere near that. But it's just where is the leadership in this franchise? You, it goes all the way there. Currently, there is no owner and there's a trust in place. Who did they a- answer to? Ultimately, I don't see leadership at the top. I don't see leadership in the coaching. And I, I see some leadership on on defense in terms of Justin Simmons um, and others. But I don't see it on the the offense, you know, um, they, that it was that's that's what's so frustrating. So. You're saying they weren't given a chance. There, there were chances if they had, you know. But the where do you begin? Tom, look, we have I don't even know. You, you have the worst special teams coach in the NFL, and he has been that way for years and years. You know, if, if you if you've a Colts fan, talk to them about Tom McMahon. This is not that Tom McMahon is having a bad season, right? Sometimes players or coaches or whoever have bad seasons um this is continuous and it's not just one aspect it's not just the punt it's the fact that McManus's um was, was a kick was almost blocked because the Chiefs got through an absolute open gap but also you know early on like in terms of that decision the to to receive like Ingram was completely unblocked when he mowed down uh Teddy so I don't know. I I watched it and it was just a, like particularly on offense and special teams. It was a litany of poor mm. decisions and bad badly bad execution at times. But poor decisions. The attempt to go for for two points, throwing behind the sticks your third and eight, and you you throw a five yard pass. <sighs> I just, I'm laughing because you just look so demoralized and you're talking there about the ownership situation. I can almost picture Joella sitting in that room on the 10th or 12th of January again, just for what seems now like the 15th year in a row where he answers 10 to 15 questions and then goes away for six months. And it, it, the cycle will then repeat itself. It can't this year because the team has to be sold, but I feel like we're sitting in a the depths of despair until that does happen. Stuart, have you any of that? I, I know you were talking about the game but, and, and Fangio, but have you any of that? I'm just, I'm just when I asked Colin, you know, were you watching the back going, why the hell didn't they take the points or were you just focused? Yeah, on- I was. And I was also surprised by the decision to um, to receive the kick at the start because, you know, I, I guess I understand you maybe you want to try and send out a message. But let's be honest, 
the only message you're really likely to send out is that we're going to be punting the ball very soon. Like the strength of this team is in the defense. You know the Chiefs' offense isn't playing particularly well. The Chiefs' defense has started to pick it up in recent weeks. So to me, that makes no sense whatsoever. Um, just what Colin was talking about, about McMahon. And I think I kind of gave him something of a pass last year for the simple reason that there were so many injuries you know, so then the back end of your roster then needs to get pushed up into kind of playing more regularly. And then you need to bring guys up from the, the practice squad then to fill out the special teams. That doesn't exist this year. Like for, for so long, we've heard that, that uh, George Payton has done a great job of building up this roster. If that's the case, then your special team should be should also be strong. Um, and, if, and if we agree that the, the roster does look quite good, and especially when an awful lot of the younger players have been brought in, then the denominator is Mac Matt. Do you know what I mean? Um, so I, it's just, you know, it's flabbergasting that he hasn't been fired. I don't know. Maybe there's something. Is it difficult to get a special teams coordinator mid-season? Surely he's got somebody who's working under him. Surely there's a promising one. I don't know. Um, I, I wouldn't have thought it was that difficult to. And I also think one of the things that, that people have touched on quite frequently um, is accountability. There's no accountability in this in in on special teams or on offense at the moment. You make a mistake, it doesn't really matter. Um, nobody gets fired. You know, I mean, I think the the fact that Locke threw that dre- dreadful interception against the Chargers kind of made everybody forget that Bridgewater should have been benched for that absolutely diabolical attempt at a ta- non-tackle against the Eagles. And then we're in the situation that things have gotten so bad that because Bridgewater made a you know an attempt to tackle um, Sorensen, a failed attempt, and all he kind of ended up doing was actually tackling Cortland Sutton. We got praise for Teddy now on Twitter for doing this. Like, that's 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 where we're at. Did you see the tackle that Justin Herbert hit uh, the Bengals guy with? Now, that's a quarterback making a tackle. You want to start praising that kind of thing. So I, I just, you know, it goes down, as Colin's been saying, for weeks and weeks and weeks, ownership, the fact that there that that hasn't been resolved, hopefully it will be soon. But there's no accountability. Nobody's ever in danger. I mean, it must be amazing to 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 get on the Broncos staff because I you kind of get to the, there was an old adage about the Irish rugby team in the seventies when they were really really poor um, that it was more difficult to get off the Irish rugby team than it was to get on the Irish rugby team because once you got a cap, you more or less had thirty regardless of form, age, anything like that. And it's kind of like that with the Broncos uh, coaching staff, it seems, because the, the, the record that they've had under Fangio has been dreadful. It's been really poor. And who's the most notable person that's been fired um, on that coaching staff? Scangarella, who you could argue was the only one who actually showed anything approaching any promise. Uh, but he was let go for our old friend Pat. So I, I just, you know, I, I, I've been saying this and I kind of listen back to the podcast sometimes and I kind of go, my God, I've become incredibly negative and I'm not a negative fan by nature. But I, I, to me, like a couple of weeks back, it kind of felt like you're kind of hearing the death rattle of the season. And then, you know, as we've touched on before, one of the really difficult things for fans of both sort of Premier League football and the NFL is the fact that the offseason in the NFL is so long. So you find yourself kind of almost wishing for the season to end. And then you kind of realize we're not going to have this for what is it six months or sort of eight months you know and, and that that's a real shame because you know there are some really good players on this roster but I don't think they're being 
I don't, I don't think they're, they're, there's no way that their abilities are being maximized right now, particularly on offense. Like Cortland Sutton may as well not have bothered suiting up at the weekend. He's just not getting targeted at all. Why is Cortland Sutton not getting targeted? Because the quarterback, somebody made a good point. We've paid, I don't know how much money it is in guaranteed salary to Tim Patrick and Cortland Sutton, both of whom are deep ball threats, big bodied wide receivers who can go up and get 50-50 balls and have deceptive pace. They've barely been targeted since they've gotten those contracts. You know, I mean, again, that, you're looking at that, you're going, yeah, Teddy Bridgewater is clearly the best quarterback on the roster at the moment. But so, so what? You know, like he, he's not the quarterback you want when you've got two wide receivers like Patrick and, and Cortland Sutton. So, you know, I mean, realistically, if Javante Williams wasn't on this team, how bad would things be? I mean, he he was was he responsible for something like seventy five percent of the total offensive yards on on Sunday night. He he was the also the leading receiver too, I think, wasn't he? I mean, this is you know it's great, but anytime your your running back is your leading receiver, um, Judy it, it, Judy beat him by one yard okay. in terms of um, receiving because Judy had that that big catch at one point but he was he was right there it was 77 for Judy 76 uh, for uh, Javante and 102 uh, yards running so it in is, total like, you're talking 178 if you look at the offensive stats for the Broncos print them out and put them beside the KC stats for the wide receivers it's it's night and day, and that's what's so frustrating about this game for me. Like, I mean, realistically, yeah, if but we Mick, I think if we had a competent quarterback, we would have probably, yeah. But I, I think, in fairness, make an awful lot, and which is something that he has mastered the art of. Teddy tends to get an awful lot of garbage time stats, which really pads a defeat and makes it look respect. Like, up until I think we went something like 38 minutes in that game without scoring, 38 minutes in the game without scoring. And up until that sort of final drive where they got that touchdown, Bridgewater stats were dreadful. They were diabolically bad up until that point. Um, and I think as well, in fairness, and this is not just me being anti-Teddy, he got away with at least two, if not three, nailed on interceptions on any other day of the of, of the season. Two absolute I don't know, I genuinely don't know how the Chiefs guys didn't bring those two balls down. He could have very easily had four interceptions on the night and probably deserved to. You know, so there's another myth that Teddy takes care of the that takes care of the ball well and he's a red you know all this stuff that we are forced by this rubbish at the start of the season you know it's 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 nonsense it's nonsense so but sure um, the, the thing is teddy wasn't there and Shermer weren't there when the broncos scored three points in the same stadium two years ago so you could you've changed the quarterback we've changed the oc nothing nothing has fundamentally changed like that's the that's what's killing me so we can we can talk about teddy and we can talk about Shermer, but neither were there two years ago when the broncos scored three points in the same stadium and people will talk about it being a blizzard and talk about it being a rookie we had a rookie we had a rookie throw 40 times in a blizzard why 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 did that happen again you we're, we're recording this on a tuesday you saw what Bill Belichick did with Mac Jones last night to to win. Yeah. So to me, when you know you're you're talking about 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. I I, under, I absolutely understand the frustration because I I think I don't I think you need to clean out our QB room. I think we need to clean house in terms of the the coaching staff. But Vic is the one common denominator from a very similar sort of performance. And again, Teddy wasn't there last year and granted we scored all of 16 points last year but it was it was a very similar sort of performance in terms of lock through two interceptions in in 2020 and we and we were never really in that game either and if they say the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again that has been our approach for you could say since Super Bowl 50, but in particular in the Vic Fangio area, it's like the same game plan against KC and you end up with slightly different results. Like this time it, we end up managing to hold Kelsey in check and previously it had been Kelsey doing a number on us. But ultimately it's the same sort of result and and that to me that. is what's killing. Yeah. Sorry, Mick, how did the Raiders beat the Chiefs earlier on this season? <laughs> You know, they got. They said, "Well, we'll get we'll get into a shootout." We see, as again, we seem to be under the impression that you know it's 1988, and you know, run the ball, run the ball, strong. The uh, game's moved on. The game is it's a totally different game now. But we've been saying this week in, week out, and and you know, we'll, we'll be saying it. We'll, it's a, as Colin has said, it's only when the whole thing is cleaned out in its entirety that this is going to get better. It's funny because like we're a six and six team on paper. And we're talking about cleaning the house and getting rid of everything, uh, you know. And some people probably go, "Oh, these guys, you know, you could be." But yeah, but like all, you, if you have eyes, you see it every week. You, you know what I mean? You you just, it's it's yeah. obvious that there's so many problems with this team. We're talking about Teddy Bridge. One of our minute ago shirts, uh, you know, at least, you know, we sort of exhausted the backup option, so we can't even do that there. But uh, that was a joke, by the way. I'm only joking. Sure, you were very passionate about your thoughts there and Big Fangio. Um, and in terms of, you know, I, I would agree from going on Broncos Twitter this week, there seems to be that, uh, I'm going to call it Fangio washing on, on Twitter this week, as if, you know, oh, I think, you know, it's we're 6-6, we're six and six, um, you know, it's uh, week 14 next week, we still have a shot of the playoffs, I think Fangio should be in next year, yada, yada, yada. I mean, Colin Stewart was very, very vocal about his opinion there now. I don't think he should be there next year. What do you think? Michael, we're how many weeks from when I had my name on this podcast and you took the screenshot and put it on Twitter, Fangio must go. I, I've never hidden it. I went to see the Broncos blow 
a 20 point lead in Minnesota in um, 2019. And it was obvious to me at that point that Vic is not a head coach. Vic is a fantastic defensive coordinator and he clearly can um, handle a, a defense, marshal a defense, come up with a defensive game plan. But the skills that you require to be a head coach in the NFL are completely different. And so that that's my my concern. Um, can can Vic Fangio come up with a, a fantastic defensive game plan? Absolutely. But can he harness the resources that at, at his disposal to turn the Broncos into a, a serious playoff team? I don't I don't believe so. And yeah, we're we're six and six because we bought a we beat a Giants team that are a disaster, a Jags team that are a disaster, a Jets team where their own players came out this week and said they were sick of opposing players laughing at them during games. You know, like, look, look at the teams that that we we beat like we the, the, the victories that we've had. The Cowboys game was superb but they they clearly took us for granted and we beat a Washington team before their bye um, that was like asking their QB to do what he can't do. Uh, and, and in the interim, they actually seems to have put a game plan in place since, since their bye. So yes, we sit at, at six and six. And if you want to take Bill Parcells, you are what your, your record says you are. But I I would have huge concerns if Vic Fangio is the head coach of this uh, team next year. We said it on the podcast last week. If he beat the Chiefs twice and he led the Broncos to the playoffs, then you you would be hard pressed to uh, say to fire him. But he didn't beat the Chiefs. It was the same sort of performance against the Chiefs. Now he's blessed that the next game is the Lions. Yes, and I have to say publicly now that I am delighted that we are not going to be the team that loses to the Lions because the Lions get a win at the weekend. They've got their win for the season and they're done. Colin, you looked like you were about to explode there. I was going to say, I thought you think I was going to say something else. I'm not going to. For weeks before we went in a bit of a run there, when we were sitting like three and six, I was convinced that Lions game was going to be some, some sort of banana skin. Uh, I don't want to give my pick away because I'll talk about it in a minute, but um, Stuart. This is surely a promising game for the Broncos to come into at the weekend to try and right the wrongs of the last few weeks uh, against the Lions team that scored 29 points against the Vikings. Uh, but Albeit they're 1-10-1. There shouldn't be any excuses here, should there, isn't there? I'm sure somebody will find some excuses if we somehow <laughs> manage to lose to the Lions. But Broncos, certain Broncos fans and media outlets seem to be able to tie themselves up in knots to be able to come up with reasons why you know Pharrell Vic has, has not been dealt the best hand no I mean like you I think I was relieved to see that somebody else lost them the one thing I would say is that I've, I've kind of seen the, the Lions in the last week or two I saw them on Thanksgiving which was a terrible game and albeit against the Bears like they've been kind of hanging around a bit in certain games recently you know like they're not getting they're not like that Lions team from remember the was it the 0-16 or the Lions team from a couple of years ago like and and they do seem to play for that guy, um, Campbell. Um, so look, yeah, we should be winning this game easily. But then again, we all said that about the Eagles game, who were had a they had two wins going into us, and they 
swatted us away with ease. So you just, you never know. You never know. I mean, I guess the Jekyll and Hyde nature of the Broncos is they, they were dreadful against the Chiefs. So therefore it would make sense to be pretty good against the Lions and then they'll lose the following week. Um, obviously, if they lose to the Lions, then I don't know. I mean, surely heads have to roll. But then again, we've been saying that all season. Um, yeah, look, I mean, I think you'd have to expect the Broncos to win. They should be winning this comfortably. You know, this shouldn't be like a game against the Washington football team, which Colin was talking about there a moment ago, which we did everything in our power to lose um, by giving uh, Heineke, what, two separate opportunities in the last couple of minutes to, to win the game or to get send the game into overtime. Um, you know, and Jared Goff has had his struggles, but he's still, you know, he's still got an arm. So and they have a few weapons. So, look, it should be easy, but I... I I don't take any game the Broncos are involved in for granted anymore because you just can't. You just look at the season, Column said, you know, a moment ago, most of the victories were against the, the bottom feeders. Um, but then they're also capable of producing performances like they did against the Cowboys and against the Chargers. So it's just, I, I have no idea. Um, you know, and it's, it's particularly become apparent in recent weeks that the AFC is, is very peculiar this season. To the point where now the Patriots have home field advantage going into the last few weeks. Um, and we all know when the Patriots get home field advantage that that usually ends one way. Um, so I don't know about any of you, but I personally wasn't prepared for the Patriots to return so so early. Um, and, you know, doesn't Belichick know that it's much easier to find a, a cornerback than it is a franchise QB? So I don't know what he was doing with drafting Mac Jones in the first round. But... Um, you know, technically we're still in the AFC. I think we were, we dropped back to 12th in the AFC now in the rankings there after that loss against the Chiefs. But if we beat the Lions, we'll probably be back up to what, 7th or 8th, no doubt. It's, it's very tight. Um, you keep expecting teams to pull away and then teams somehow some seem to constantly kind of not accept the opportunity to put daylight between themselves and, and the others. So yeah, we're still technically in the shake, but they have to win this game. If they don't win this game, then that is absolutely it. I mean, personally speaking, I think it's going to be over in a couple of weeks soon anyway. I think I saw something that there was the Broncos now have a 12% chance of making the playoffs. And I think that's probably just about right. Um, if they lose to the Lions, I imagine that's a naught point twelve percent chance. So um yeah, they 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 really have to win this game and they have to start using their heads and they have to sort of attack the Lions' weaknesses. I don't know what the Lions' weaknesses are because I haven't really, when I say I watched them, I haven't watched them in any great detail. Um, but they can't take this, you know, like who did the Cowboys expect the Broncos to come in and wallop them in their own backyard? No. So we need to take this game seriously, um, you know, because these are the kind of games late on in the season. You know, the Lions have a bit of spirit now from that victory. You know, we all saw the celebrations, we saw the scenes afterwards. So, you know, they'll be coming into it in a little bit of a high. And we will presumably come coming into that game in a dreadful low because that was a woeful performance against the Chiefs on prime time. We all had doubts about why they were flexing it. And I think they came home to roost. So they need to be careful with this game now on Sunday. Who's your pick for the game, though, Stuart, if you had to pick between the Broncos and the Lions? I'm going to pick the Broncos. Um, I'm going to pick them to win. 27 17 I'm, I'm not doing it with any great uh sense of um uh, enthusiasm or any degree of certainty but i you know really like you you have to be winning these games so i suppose the one thing we did do was early on in the season we did put away the garbage teams and the giants and the jaguars and the jets so obviously the lions are in that category so maybe 
we'd uh, find it within. A, I think this should this will probably be the last easy game that we have this in, in this season. Um, so I, I'd expect us to win this one fairly comfortably. Um, I'm just going to say 27-17. Colm, thoughts on the game and who have you got on Sunday? I think this was a, a Lions team who were desperate for a win and clearly were playing for their head coach. And it was also a divisional game. So that's something that's worth bearing in mind. It was at home and it was a Lions team who had, you know, come so close. Like they they should have won on Thanksgiving uh, when they gave, they somehow contrived to, to lose the Bears. They could have beaten the, the Browns uh, just before that. They uh, tied with the, the Steelers, albeit a Steelers team that had to play Mason Rudolph, who um, look makes you know Paxton Lynch look like a competent QB. I, I believe, I, I, I think he is, like we've had bad quarterbacks in denver i've never seen anything as bad as mason rudolph um but they they obviously got absolutely um blown out by the the eagles so i think the fact that they got their first victory helps the broncos um because i i don't think it will be you know nobody wants to go winless all right and and dan campbell is a guy who was on that 0-16 line so he really didn't want to go winless but they are a team who play for him and they will play hard but i think ultimately what cost the vikings was they played prevent defense which is ridiculous i hate it um and that's they had literally taken the ball out of goff's arms on the previous play to go down to actually take the lead and then they played prevent and they ended up um playing prevent all the way into the end zone and the the lions uh win it was a really weird one though the lions should have had to kick it but they didn't because the nfl you know same way as sunday night what what is a catch no nobody seems to know anymore but i amid, imagine you will see another healthy dose of javante williams i think we will have too much i think our defense is much better than the vikings i think mike zimmer will very likely be out of a job with the vikings but i think that the broncos are going to have too much for this lions team it is um at home and i i certainly imagine we will uh win the the game on sunday Take away the record for the Lions, as you said, Colin. This is a team that clearly plays for their coach. And it's fitting to see in this day and age when sometimes players in any sport can throw the toys out of the metaphorical prom. Uh, the Lions, lads, I enjoyed watching it the weekend over the Lions or over the Vikings. I really liked the, I said this in the offer show last night, Colin, I really liked the wide receiver core between Brian Reynolds and, and Hawkinson, TJ Hawkinson. And I'm probably going to get laughed at here, but I, I think. I think the Broncos are going to win the game, but I think the Lions will, will will make it hard for the Broncos, especially in the first couple of quarters. I think that win last week will give them the confidence they need to believe that they can, you know, I, I know they believe any game they can go into, but they really believe, oh, if we can beat the Lions, who are 5-7, and seven, we can sure as hell beat the Broncos, who are 6-6, six and six, who won their first three games against the Jaguars, the Jets, and, and who else was it? First three weeks? The Giants. The Giants. So if I'm if I'm the Lions, I'm looking at that and going, yep, yeah, absolutely. Hold on, they scored how many points in Kansas City? 
Right. So, of course they can. They're, they're going to go into mile high aiming to score 21 to 24 points and hope that they can get over the line. Um, Javante Williams and that Broncos offense should be too much for the Lions. But, uh, you know, 50-50, one week he's great, one week he's awful. One week, I don't know what's going on. It's like maybe like 25-25-25-25. Teddy Bridgewater. Which Teddy Bridgewater is going to show up on Sunday? I have no idea what's going to happen on Sunday, boys. Uh, but I'm going to take the Broncos to win. 24 to 21 against the Lions. I have Brandon McManus kicking a field goal to win the game. Uh, and the Broncos going 7 and 6. The Broncos go 7 and 6. I mean, I don't want to start a whole different conversation here, but I'm in a safe space here so I can say it. Um, it's been a very weird season. That The team that's number one in the AFC as it stands on a Tuesday when we're recording this, I don't think it's fit to go through the playoffs, boys. I don't. So I think it shows you the talent level and the ceiling in the AFC at the minute. Uh, the Patriots have a very good defense. So do the Chiefs. Um, but, you know, Mahomes is clearly having issues at the minute. So it's anybody's for the taking. The AFC West, I can't wait to see what's going to happen there. But the Broncos should win in this game uh, and go on 7-6. Any final uh, words? I just uh, had a look there a minute ago, Michael. Just a surprise to me. Jared Goff's stats are almost identical to Teddy Bridgewater's in regards to yards, touchdowns, interceptions. Does anybody think that the Lions are going to pass up on a quarterback next season in the draft if, if one of the good ones falls their way? No, but, you know, um, so, yeah, I, I think I just agree with you just on the AFC, just as, you know, you were sort of, sort of echoing what I was saying. You, you just don't know who's who's going to take it back. Like, I think at this stage in the season, usually somebody is beginning to go, I am going to be the AFC's number one seed. Mm. You know, I, I think what ha- you have to realize as well, Michael, I think um, like the Titans were looking great a few weeks ago and then suddenly they've lost all their offensive starters to injury, you know. Um, and I think in fairness, I think everybody thought that uh, Harbaugh was crazy going for the two points the other night. But his point was, I have no, I have no fit cornerbacks. So he felt that they, they weren't going to be able to win in overtime. Um, they're getting crippled by injuries as well, a team that was already crippled by injuries. So I think it is a strange one. I mean, Mick, are you saying it's a strange AFC, as in if we go seven and six, we're still right in the hunt for the playoffs? We're still right in the hunt because if you look at the schedule for the Chiefs, if you look at the schedule for the Raiders and the Chargers, there are slip-up games. But I'm just talking about the AFC in general. I, 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 I can't see... And I'm really not trying to be biased there. I, I just cannot see how that Patriots team can 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 win a Super Bowl. Like maybe they might get to a championship game, but I, I can't see how they're going to run through the playoffs in the way that they play. I'm not counting the Monday night game against Buffalo. Take that away because it's unfair to Mac Jones and that weather to say that you know yada yada yada. Um, yeah, but I just the, Bills, think... the Bills did had a similar situation to Washington against us. They had eight bites of the cherry and they somehow managed to miss all. Like. They were Josh Allen suddenly decided that he was going to do everything on his own, which was just he was just taking crazy options in, in the red zone on, on Going, eight yeah. occasions. So I think that was a bit of an anomaly last, but it's it, yeah, no, you're right. I mean, I think it is. It's it's I, if you'd said to me who's going to be the NFC championship game, I'd say it's going to be the Packers versus the Cardinals. If you say to me who's going to be the AFC championship game, I've got I haven't got a notion. The problem is, and I hope it doesn't, I hope it doesn't come to this year because I think we're in, inevitably due one of these eventually. I think the I think both those teams would walk over the team that's number one at the minute. Walk over them in the Super Bowl offensively. I'm gonna really do myself here. I just wanted to make a point as well. You mentioned about Jar Goff there. 
at the minute, I seen it on Saturday, or I might have been on the college football selection show on Sunday. Um, the there's no quarterback at the minute projected to go in the top ten. Uh, per Schefter, that could be wrong. I don't know. Colin, have you any final words for this podcast ahead of this Lions game? It's the first game without you there in uh, two weeks in Malhai. So you gonna try and get I, over? Well, I, 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 I'd, I'd love to if I win the lottery. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, happily buy a house in Colorado if I win the lottery. But I think I would probably need to win the lottery in order to be able to afford um, to uh, a house. Um, yeah, no, just just uh, though, obviously, these, this is not the, the Patriots team of old, but it is a Patriots team um, that has amassed um, 40, 40 points or sorry, a 50 point win this year against the, the Jets and put 45 points on the, the Browns. It's also a Patriots team that only lost by two points to the Bucks. So it absolutely has issues. Matt Jones is a rookie, but uh, I would never, ever say a Bill Belichick coach team will get walked on because it it rarely happens. Um, so I, I think they're in a really interesting um, space and we'll get to see them against the, the Colts in a couple of weeks away. And that'll be a real test for them uh, in in like remember those halcyon days uh back in uh 2013 where we were putting 50 points on on teams uh the the cowboys game um and the uh the um eels when i think we even beat the titans but um we put 50 on, on them as well halcyon halcyon days back yeah that that year um you know, could you see us putting uh, 50 points um, this year? Uh, so, yeah, just, just is some that, happy. Is that, in the season, is that in total over the season, Tom? Because I think we might just about straight there by week 15. I want to, I want to reminisce, uh, Stuart. I want to, we're coming towards Christmas. We're coming towards the holiday season. I want to give people out there, um, you know, some happy, at least, you know, they can sip on the sweet nectar of their memories if they don't uh, want to deal with the cold, hard reality of 2021. Let's see what happens. Boys, it's been a pleasure as always. Uh, thanks a million to Maha Report again uh for the opportunity to do this podcast Dublin Denver podcast please like subscribe share and i'll see you boys next week after a big win against the lions uh go broncos last season go broncos go broncos <laughs>